Okay. I'm uh, reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Spiritual blessings in Christ. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom from the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you <clears throat> as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. If you'd like to come up, John, and uh, we'll pray for you. Lord God, we thank you for our brother John uh, as he comes to share your word with us. May you fill his words with your spirit and uh, open our minds to hear what you want us to hear at this time. Amen. Now, we haven't tested the microphone, but it sounds like it might be working. That's good. You think I need a new iPad? <laughs> Just the cover. Okay. Let me just get organised. Thank you, Martin, for bringing that reading to us, uh, which is um, uh, just after Paul's introduction, of course, uh, which uh, Luke touched on last week. And uh, so today we launch into this study of the book of Ephesians and uh, it's uh, an incredible book and it's full of wisdom and grace and uh, promise and uh, I also with Teresa say thank you to all those people who have through the next few months uh, agreed to preach and if the Holy Spirit puts his touch upon you and invites you to preach then uh, maybe you would be brave enough to take that uh, invitation uh, because it's a tremendous privilege to speak the word of God 
It's scary, <laughs> scary thing to do, but uh, you will be rewarded. Um, uh, as I always say to people, um, when I preach, it's already spoken to me because I've spent so much time preparing it and reading it and, and studying it, so it's already spoken to me. One of the things that Luke asked us to do uh, when we preached was to put our sermon into a sentence. Uh, now, strangely, uh, that's something I always try to do. I always try and encapsulate what I believe the Lord is wanting me to say in a sentence. And so, uh, thank you, Luke, for encouraging people to do that, because I think it helps you focus on what it is. And so, this is my sermon in a sentence, or sometimes I call it a take-home truth. I guess it depends on your... This is a very personal sentence, so I guess it depends on where you're at as to whether this is truth for you, but I pray and I I certainly hope that it is. So the take-home truth today is that I have discovered how much I'm loved in Christ. It was beautiful songs that we sang that reminded us again how much Christ loves us. I've discovered how much I am loved in Christ. Therefore, I will bless the Lord and I will grow in him. Of course, again, our series for this time in Ephesians is called Therefore. Soren Kierkegaard, um, theologian, philosopher, wrote this, Life can only be understood backward, but it must be lived forward. And what he meant by that was we must live our lives in faith because we don't really understand or know what is coming. Uh, We can make our plans, but sometimes those plans don't work out. So we never quite know what is coming in our lives. We can only live in the present. But it's as we look back, as we get older, uh, and Lynn and I are discovering this more and more as we get older in, in our lives, Uh, It's only as we look back that we clearly see God's presence and God's involvement in our lives. Sometimes you can't see it as you're going into some of the scary places or even the joyful places in our lives. But when we look back, we can see uh, that God has been uh, there in our lives. And I I hope you'll permit me to just share a personal story with you, uh, which uh, happened a number of years ago. In 1978, probably around early June, our house caught on fire. We'd been on a caravan holiday for about four weeks with our two young children, and he had two children then. Uh, We had taken our caravan and visited some places we'd never been before, Adelaide, Melbourne, Canberra, Sydney, and then we'd driven back home again across the Nullarbor. And as we uh, got close to home, driving from Kalgoorlie down the Great Eastern Highway, I was really anxious to get home. You know, you've ever been away on a long holiday and you just want to get home, don't you? And so I was really anxious to get home that night. But it was getting dark. And Lynn convinced me that it was better that we stop off on the side of the road somewhere uh, and then we could set off in the morning and get home in the daylight and it would be much better for us. So we pulled off in uh, Meriden and we stayed there for the night. And in the morning, we set off again. And when we got close to our home uh, down in Safety Bay, uh, 
a work colleague went past us the other way and he flagged us down and so we stopped and he came over and he said, I'm really sorry to tell you but your house caught on fire last night. Blessing number one. We could have been in that house but we weren't. God had uh, put some wisdom into Lynn's mind and uh, uh, suggested that we stay overnight. What an incredible blessing. The next blessing was that when we arrived home, uh, our house was a pretty blackened and charred mess, um, but our family and friends were all there. And uh, they had pulled out a lot of the furniture and they were already beginning to clean it up. The fire had started in our laundry and uh, we had a, an oil-fired hot water system in the laundry. They don't build them anymore. I wonder why. They're banned, they're not allowed to have them anymore. Uh, it started in there because this heater malfunctioned, this hot water system malfunctioned, and it pretty much burnt the laundry and all that area, but the rest of the house was just filled with acrid, black, oily uh, smoke on the ceilings and the walls. It was uh, terrible and we couldn't stay there. Later on, we found out from uh, the fire people that they had tried to find out if anybody was in the home and uh, luckily, of course, we, we weren't there. But they told us the story of how they were uh, called to be there. Now, as I said, the fire started in the laundry. And when it got to a certain temperature, uh, an aerosol can exploded. And it shot through the laundry window. And it left a neat hole like this through the laundry window and whizzed down the backyard, and in those days the backyards were backyards, it was about a half an acre, whizzed through the, the backyard, and by the time it got to the house at the back of us, the velocity had slowed a little, and it crashed onto their window, and it woke the guy up who was sleeping in that bedroom. He got up to see what the noise was, and saw the house on fire and called the fire brigade. Blessing number two... You know, we couldn't see these blessings at the time, but on retrospect, often over our lives, we have reflected over these things. Blessing number three, why was this man sleeping in the back room? Well, he and his wife had had words. <laughs> and as a result, he was barred from the bedroom. The rest is history. <laughs> It was such a blessing that he was barred from the bedroom and had to sleep in the back because he called the fire brigade and our house was not completely uh, gutted. After the fire had happened, we were blessed again because the church community came around us and comforted us because it's a pretty horrible thing to have your house burn. Uh, and they provided a house for us because the minister wasn't living in the manse, so they said, you can go and live in the manse while your house is being renovated, and we did that. Maybe the other blessing is that our house was renovated. That was pretty good too. <laughs> you know, there are many stories over our lifetime, uh, Lynn and mine, that we could relate to you that, could sh that as we reflect back, we can see uh, the way in which God has incredibly blessed us, like... I won't tell you these stories, but like the, the time Lynn and I met, which involved prayer, but it also involved a couple of years of Lynn not liking me very much. Um, 
I could tell you the circumstances of how we actually bought this block of land where we had our house, where God was involved, but we didn't see it at the time. I could tell you the story about the way in which we were called into ministry and the way in which God led us to our various placements over that time. Incredible blessings as we look back over our lifetime. And they continue, they still continue today uh, as we live our lives forward in faith, but as we reflect back with thankfulness at the faithfulness of God. But now here's the, here's the rub. This is what I, I want to say to you this morning is all of these experiences that we've had, and, and I'm sure you're already thinking about some of the experiences you've had in your life, all of these experiences are, are nothing, are nothing compared to the blessings that Paul's talking about in this passage from Ephesians. They are nothing. Because Paul's talking about spiritual blessings given in the heavenly realms. I think there is a difference between the earthly blessings that we receive from God and don't get me wrong, they are God's blessings. God is in them. But they are nothing like the eternal blessings that God is preparing for us, his children. Paul writes in another place, No eye has seen and no ear has heard or mind conceived what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. So as I said, this letter to the Ephesians begins with a a traditional introduction uh, and then Paul launches into this, what I call, a Trinitarian doxology. Um, Trinitarian because it involves God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You know, some people say, oh, they're not sure about this Trinitarian idea because the Bible doesn't talk about it. Well, you just need to have a really good look. Uh, It's all through uh, the Ephesians letter. And a doxology because it's a statement of praise and worship to God. In the Greek and I'm not a Greek scholar, but some of you might be. Anybody studied Greek? You've done some study in Greek? No, you haven't. I was lucky I got out of it too. (laughs) Pretty hard, I understand. Uh, But in the Greek, this verses 3 to 14 of Ephesians is one single complex sentence. One single sentence. It seems to me that Paul, without pausing for breath is so filled with joyful emotion that he pours out his thanksgiving at the wonder of God's spiritual blessings. And as I've said, the blessings are not the blessings are heavenly blessings. He's talking about grace and he's talking about eternal life. And notice too, as I said, this is a very trinitarian uh, doxology. The blessings are from the Father, in verse 3. They are in the Son, verses 4 to 13a. And they are through the Holy Spirit, 13b and 14. Forgiveness comes from the Father. But forgiveness is only possible in the Son. Through Christ's life sacrifice, 
In him we are justified. And then it is through the Holy Spirit that we are sanctified and renewed and restored and equipped for our ministry to the world. So first of all, I want to look at the idea that the blessings are from the Son. So first Paul's doxology exalts the Father because it is from him we receive the spiritual blessings. I wonder if you could think for a moment. I don't necessarily want you to shout out an answer. Just think for a moment. What do you reckon is the Father's greatest attribute? What is the Father's greatest attribute? Perhaps you're thinking it's his power. Or maybe his knowledge. Maybe God's greatest attribute is his glory. Or perhaps his benevolence towards us. And I want to suggest that perhaps it's none of these. Oh yes, God is a very powerful God. Omnipotent. God is all-knowing. God is a burning majesty. Think about Moses when he went into the presence of God and came out with his, with his face alight. God is a burning majesty. And think too about the story of the lost son because God is extravagantly generous to us. But none of these describes God's greatest attribute. Have you guessed what it is? Thank you, Martin. Absolutely. The Father's greatest attribute is love. Because the Bible tells us that God is love. God is love. And it's with the highest form of divine agape love that God blesses us in the, spirit, in the heavenly realms. Paul acknowledges that the Father is the source of every spiritual blessing. And before creation, God took the initiative in love and he made decisions. This is before creation. God was thinking about us and thinking about what might happen. And God took the initiative in love and made decisions that affect the destiny of humankind. That's amazing, isn't it? God always had you and me in mind. According to Paul, God chose us, or in some translations, predestined us to be his daughters and sons. Mind-blowing, isn't it? It's amazing. But it also raises a very thorny issue for the church. The doctrine of election or predestination. What's that? Well, it's the idea that before time, before creation, God elects some people to be adopted as his sons and daughters, but not others. It is a doctrine of the church. And I don't know about you, but I find the doctrine very difficult to get my head around. You know, forget the Trinity... <laughs> I'm okay with that. But this idea that God chooses people and doesn't choose others, 
blows my mind. I, I find it an issue. Because there's no easy answers to this. We can just ignore it, if you like, or say that's not really what it's about. We could try and scout around it or deny it. Except to agree that. Except to agree that the mind and wisdom of God is unfathomable. Unfathomable. I can't even say the word. Unfathomable. Um, for me, that's, the, that's really the only way that I can come to this. That, that God's mind is unfathomable. I cannot understand his wisdom. If this is true, then it's beyond me. I really can't understand it. You see, predestination is not just a doctrine of the church invented by Augustine of Hippo or John Calvin of Geneva who were great um, uh, components of this. This idea is ingrained in Scripture right through. In the, Old, in the Old Testament, God chooses Israel for himself. Amongst all the other nations, he chooses Israel. He chooses Abraham to be the father of Israel and he uh, creates this nation who will be his people. And of course, we understand um, in the New Testament too, um, we're just reading about, about Paul, but others, other New Testament writers speak about this same issue of God choosing us. The issue of predestination. And as I say, for me, I really struggle to understand this because it doesn't fit with the good news that I understand that God lavishes his grace on all people, pours out his love to all people. Even Peter, who talks about God choosing, also says the Lord doesn't want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. And so... Maybe I've left a dilemma for you to struggle with, but that's okay. Many, many, many people have struggled with this issue. But for me, and this is not a perfect answer, for me, I understand, or I think, God in, in that pre-creation space of eternity made choices for us, all of us, knowing, perhaps through his divine awareness, who would respond to his invitation of grace and who wouldn't. That's one solution that's one uh, way in which people have decided that this works. I leave it to you to make up your mind about it. But what I gain from it more positively, what I do take from Paul's doxology is this. The Father has a destiny in mind for us. And the Father has a purpose for every life. God's intention for us is to be blessed with every spiritual blessing. Father God has set his love and poured out his grace upon his creation. And for me, the words of Joshua echoes over time. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So I leave that with you to think about. And if you have any bright ideas, come and talk to me afterwards. I'm sure you do. Moving on, secondly, uh, to the blessings that are in the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul now tells us that the blessings we have from the Father 
are given because we are in the Son. And to be in Christ can also be translated to be united with Christ or to belong to Christ. And I think this is the hub of Paul's joy. For in Christ, God has provided the possibility for us to belong within the sphere of God's grace. In Christ. And as I said, God's greatest attribute is love. And the greatest demonstration of this love is found in Jesus Christ, who makes all that the Father intended possible. Everything that God intended for us is made possible. In the, in the spiritual blessings, in the heavenly realms, all possible in Christ. And these are some of the things that Paul uh, recognises that uh, we are given. Some of the blessings we are given in Christ. It is because we're in Christ that God has chosen us for eternity. But also that we're able to experience blessing now. Don't let me diminish the blessings that I was talking about at the beginning. Uh, they're important because they're indicators of the grace of God and, and the, the glory that we are going to experience uh, being in Christ. So he has chosen us for eternity, but we're also able to experience his presence and his blessing uh, now. It is in Christ that we are made holy without fault in God's eyes. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't feel very holy sometimes. I don't feel very holy most of the time, actually. But that's not the way the Father sees me. It's not the way the Father sees you if you are in Christ. The Father sees you as a perfect creation, created in Christ and without fault in God's eyes. And it's in Christ that God's good pleasure chose to adopt us into his family before the creation of the world. And it's because we belong to Christ that in faith we receive the grace of forgiveness and experience freedom. All of this secured by the death of Christ on the cross. And it's in our unity with, with Christ that enables us to know God's kindness, along with all wisdom and understanding. What does that mean? We don't just know God's kindness, we also know all wisdom and understanding. I, I was thinking about how in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the... Uh, the wisdom, the, the wisdom of the world and the foolishness of God. And I think that's what he's talking about here or alluding to here because the foolishness of God ends up being the wisdom that the world needs to know and understand. And so the wisdom that we have, the understanding that we have when we're in Christ, the world does not understand that. And that's why, that's why we get laughed at because people don't understand the wisdom that we have been given in Christ. Uh, it doesn't understand the wisdom that we see when we come to Christ in faith. And that's the only way you can come into this understanding, is to come in through faith. To those in Christ, God has revealed his mystery, the mystery of salvation, which eventually, according to God's perfect timing, will bring everything together under Christ's authority in heaven and on earth. 
and then we will receive the promised inheritance from the Father. So this then is the love of, Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. Again, the greatest moments in Christ's life was not his transfiguration or his miracle working or his teaching, as wonderful as they are. The greatest moment in Christ's ministry, the greatest revelation of God's love to us was when Jesus hung in darkness on the cross. Let me demonstrate it to you like this. I asked God how much he loved me and he said this much and he threw out his arms and he died for me. Amazing. I said that the uh, title of this series is Therefore. And so now we come to the therefore. We've, we've seen what the Father has blessed us with in the heavenly realm. We've, uh, we've seen that it comes to us in Christ. Therefore, we have the ministry of the Spirit. Because this sort of love demands a response from us. When we see it, when we understand it, when we get God's wisdom, it demands a response from us. When we come to the realisation of the magnitude of God's love for me personally, uh, and when you come to that understanding, there must be a therefore. There has to be a therefore. I am loved extravagantly. Therefore, it will make a difference in my life. I am loved extravagantly, therefore I will serve the Lord, like Joshua. The activity of the Holy Spirit is woven throughout Paul's doxology, right through uh, the letter of Ephesians. I'm sure it will come back again and again. The, messages, uh, the message of the Spirit. I actually think the Holy Spirit is the Father's therefore. Because we had, uh, you know, God contemplating before creation. We have creation and then God uh, creates the, uh, the nation of Israel and he makes various covenants with them, which they kept, of course. No. <laughs> and then he promises a new covenant and uh, Jesus is the new covenant who comes and lives his life as a perfect human being, as a demonstration of what that means, and dies for us in love. Therefore, the Holy Spirit comes to be with you, to help you and to guide you and to equip you in your life and grace. And so Paul's making the point that the blessings of God are spiritual in Christ through the Spirit. Only really makes sense through the Spirit. And this contrasts with the Old Testament where God's blessings were largely material blessings. In Deuteronomy 28, for example, we read that the blessings promised in return for Israel's obedience were many children, good harvests, cattle, sheep, 
Political security and prosperity. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with those things in your life. But when we start chasing those things instead of chasing the spiritual blessings that God has for us in eternity, then I think we're on the wrong track. And there are many Christians who seek this prosperity stuff and it's not where it's at. You know, it's true that Jesus did promise material blessings. He promised our Father would supply all our needs and he called us not to be anxious about life's challenges but to trust. But the distinctive blessings of the new covenant are, as I say, spiritual blessings. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with my people, Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. The New Testament blessings are spiritual and involve God's laws written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Not so much rules chiselled in stone to obey, but a desire in our hearts to love and serve God. To love and serve our neighbour. To seek to become mature in Christ. To explore what it means to be transformed into his image and to discover who is my neighbour. When our lives are in Christ, we are led through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to deeper devotion, to new attitudes of morality and justice, to a heightened sense of thankfulness for God's grace in Jesus. God's love has brought us all the fullness of life in Christ. It is ours to explore, to grow into, enabling us to soak up the attitudes and the attributes of the likeness of Christ and make them our own. These are the sorts of responses that God's lavish love deserves. Luke finished last week by asking three questions. I jotted them down as soon as he said them and I mightn't have got them exactly right but I think this is the gist of what he meant. Is the gospel still amazing to you? Is the gospel enough for you? And have you been transformed by the good news of God's love? Anybody ponder on those this week? Awkward question. (laughs) Not even sure that I did, except uh, in my preparations. But let me ask you another question. Uh, Let me ask you something more, something more for you to ponder this week as you think about this wonderful letter from Ephesians. When I contemplate the extent of God's love for me, how am I going to respond? What is going to be my therefore?
Amen. Could we please take a moment just to reflect on what we've heard? Thank you. If the music team could uh, come up, worship team. Father God, we thank you for your grace and forgiveness and love. And there's so much we don't necessarily understand, but we have our own personal stories uh, to remind us of the fact that you were there, to keep instructing us in the wisdom and the knowledge of God and to encourage us to hang in there. Because that's what I believe the uh, experiences that we have through life are all about. They're really about teaching us to hang in there and to know that you're present. Even at those times when we feel like you're not present, you are there and you're teaching us and you're guiding us. So Father, we thank you. And we pray that you would be with us now as we consider what we are going to do as a response for the lavish love that you've, that you've uh, poured upon our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.